0: And we're live, and Doc's still trying to mess me up with uh with the five count, and her her back uh, was it backseat driving over here on the podcast. But hey, are you crazy sci fi and fantasy fans? It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades Podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction, and dysfunction is spelled. C-I-S-C-A, Seska. But without further ado, the we're going to let our guest- The best abbreviation
1: guests... of dysfunction ever.
0: Other sure, than we'll January, go with that. That's
1: actually even shorter. Hey,
0: this is true. This is true. But we're going to let our guest, Miss Rosie Record, uh, introduce yourself. So can you tell our viewers and listeners who you are?
2: Hi, I'm Rosie Record, uh, the author of Tronic.
0: <laughs> and uh some anthology short stories and the coolest last name ever i'm surprised you're not a rock star with that last name
2: oh yeah i know right i should have gone into music with that name right
0: <laughs> that's just right like Davidal, if you did it for real people were like that was just so cheesy picking that name so you could be a musician like no honest it's my real name Oh
2: ah, yeah oh yeah i'd have to tell them it's my legal name so there you go
0: <laughs> so the next part of the introduction dear listeners how we first found them so uh when we did the cyberpunk day, which was you know a couple episodes ago at this point, the uh the person that helped us put that together, Matthew A. Goodwin, he uh he arranged a lot of the guests and she was one of them. And so she was so much fun in the pre-show. Although she was too polite to interrupt, but we'll work on that. We'll corrupt her. But uh she was so much fun in the pre-show. I know I had to have her back. She just uh, hasn't and let been Doc doing you well enough
1: yet, JR. It's this is also possibly
0: true. <laughs> Yeah, this, that's probably true. But uh, and I knew I had to get Doc in because she says we need to we need to talk to more ladies. Apparently, she she thinks the sausage fest is not for her. Well, that came out <laughs> phrasing was bad, but we'll just move on. Doc, ask her the religion questions.
1: For the record, I know how the sausage is made, so yes, the phrasing was bad.
0: <laughs> and, and I haven't even started drinking yet, so I don't have an excuse.
1: Well, you should start drinking.
2: <laughs> Clearly,
0: I might do better drunk. <laughs>
1: bad. JR, you are the excuse. But, to religion. (laughs) Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly?
2: Firefly. Hands down. Love it, love it, love it.
1: It it's Short enough, you can watch all of it in a day.
0: Hey, Doc. (laughs) This is true, sadly. Uh, When you do the religion question for the fantasy, it's been told to us too many times, and I forgot to update the form. Apparently, it's unfair to have Lord of the Rings in there. So you get to add that on the fly, fix uh, another property, because apparently nobody compete with, can compete oh, so with Tolkien. You token. don't
1: want me to do Lord of the Rings.
0: No, apparently it's not fair to the other authors who who write fantasy. So you get to make okay. it up as you go. Try not to break your brain.
1: Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or The World of Valdemar by Mercedes Lackey? Didn't even have to skip a beat. Game of Thrones.
0: Oh, go on. Why?
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> I could only get through the first 3 books and then I was like, "Man, you are way too dense for me. I can't do this anymore." But I love <laughs> I, lo- I love his writing style. I love his world building. That man can go off on tangents and you just are like along for the ride and you love it. But and then the show's the show was pretty good. Um they lost you at the end, I think most. You know, people- it was a great way to beta
1: <laughs> test how to end that series. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so did you uh do you like Grimdark then? Is that why you like it? Because a lot of people that don't, it's because they don't like the everybody I care about dies sort of thing.
2: Oh, I love that. No. <laughs> I I <laughs> Nobody gets out alive. I personally love that. I was I was very bummed when Ned Stark died, but I mean, what's that actor's name? He always dies. That man just dies i on being
1: always died. ned stark really had to die though yeah. like there's some of the deaths that felt a little too a, a little gratuitous like i i felt maybe there would have been a better way to do that story but ned stark really had to die because his death was the impetus to a lot of fallout exactly yeah
2: yeah it was it was an important death and he dies so well uh sean bean does and uh But everything he's in that man dies um but
1: he's the joe buckley of movies
2: (laughs) (laughs) but i i love uh you were saying gratuitous deaths and i was like i love those too um (laughs) i'm a fan of (laughs) i'm a fan of characters just just being off because then you know lots of times it can get stagnant you have your same people and uh when you kill someone off it changes dynamics you bring in new people it's just it's it's a really good uh vehicle for storytelling and and i'm i'm a little bit of a
1: dark dark person
0: so if her (laughs) therapist wants to listen to this episode
1: (laughs) should i send this to (laughs) Ah, tell me about your childhood Oh no, <laughs> we had somebody on Jennifer Blackstream who has a background as a therapist. <laughs> did it go? Did it go interesting? Did it? It went interesting. I man keep- for Jr. He, he took the brunt
0: of it. So the the episode in question was writing badass uh, females in in sci-fi and fantasy. Although all of the authors in question, I think, were fantasy authors. And, uh, and I had some opinions and she had some opinions and we didn't agree. And she got a lot of thrill every time she said, you're wrong, Jr. because Seska would start giggling and it sort of spiraled from there. I think that became, I, I could have said that the water was wet and they'd have yelled I was wrong because they were having too much fun. <laughs> and it continued in the post show. <laughs> That's where that actually came from. She, she did that on that episode.
1: No, it continued even at DragonCon.
0: I, I, I like it. I'm here for it. All right, Doc. <laughs>
1: okay so as you know we love both sci-fi and fantasy but which one was your first love
2: oh see you know i was asked this before i don't even remember my answer i i would say when it comes to cinema sci-fi when it comes to books fantasy but then i ended up writing more sci-fi so i'm all over i, I ping pong between the two um, I don't know if I have a first oh, love. Maybe
1: your just, first maybe. love could be totally different. We interviewed one author, uh, Jenny Koch. Her first love was fantasy. Everything she writes is sci-fi though.
0: No, what she's saying is she she goes back and forth on what the answer would be. Here's oh, a well, fun thing. You're quote. allowed
1: to be Polly on this question, totally. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so so we did, when we, we did, did um,
1: my head,
2: I guess the first books I was reading, like most little girls, was fantasy.
0: So when we ask these questions to the guests, I'm always trying to remember what my answer would be, and I can guarantee almost every episode, and this is like 214, I've come up with a different answer that I suddenly remember when we're doing the interview. So you're you're that's pretty normal, I think.
1: <laughs> nope, not me. I know my answer every time, and it yeah, because is because you
0: were tortured by your mother. So
1: <laughs> what's this? Was tortured? Well, um, I mean,
0: she, she she's one mean one to you, which is why I like one one.
1: her. Um. She does like you better than me, but that's okay because she also told me it's like the Eeyore thing. Somebody has to like you. Oh, um,
0: this is true. That's okay. You know, you, my mom likes you better. Yeah, so my yeah. answer is
1: always sci-fi, because yeah. the first shows I remember, Shira. Okay, it is a little like magic and sci-fi, but you're talking alternate planets and tech, so there is sci-fi, but um, and Star Trek. So I mean, like for me, I know it was sci-fi, but. I love my comfort food, also, really is fantasy. So, yeah, I'm um, not
2: gonna, I'll, I love them both. So much goodness, and and I like it when they overlap. I love it when there's tech and magic like that's just a really cool, weird mix. It's a so fun space mix. fantasy.
0: Yeah, it's a fun yeah. one, like that's Star Wars funny. space fantasy.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, it was the Midachlorians, right. right?
2: No, that's just perfect.
0: um, <laughs> so what's your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction? Uh, do you think you found it by reading it first, playing games, watching shows? Where do you think you discovered it first?
2: Ooh. First, first, first. Trying to think back. Young. Hmm. I don't know. Um, it was prob- probably, probably TV. Okay. I'm trying to think. Um see here here's like put me on the spot trying to remember childhood memories trying to remember the firsts um I don't know I I I remember really loving some books about drag and McCaffrey that's yeah yep the pern um I remember those distinctly and I was fairly young when I started I was too young
1: because that woman <laughs> gets very descriptive. With Which some- is very surprising because if you read the Tower in the Hive stuff, she is not descriptive in that. Oh, but really? Mm-hmm. The only one where she really got descriptive about um, adult interactions were in the Pern books. Oh, well, I was lucky then. <laughs> <laughs> that, that,
2: was my, that was my intro to a couple of things in life.
0: Um- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: i read an entire series because the uh first book was dedicated to anne mccaffrey and it was about dragon romance so i can't
2: say dragon romance yeah it's just um now black woman has won so many awards i was i was just reading her wiki page recently and it's like she's like the first uh the hugo awards and everything and it's like wow it's just good on you that's right that's good um yep. I, that's the first thing that comes to mind but I, I i know for a fact that i was watching all kinds of you know fantasy and sci-fi type movies when i was young and those those influenced me and 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 like sucked me into that that magical world i'm pretty sure my parents were star trek uh they were playing star trek all the time and yeah.
0: okay so what is it about speculative fiction the umbrella genre that covers all the cool things that you love so much
2: that's too big of a question man <laughs> it's like what do you love about every like, imagination like, what do you love about food right like everything i just like just the fact that it opens up this this world to you um it's it's a window into people's imaginations and some people are actually really interesting when you're surrounded by people that aren't and all of a sudden you read a book and you're like oh wow like this person has this incredible fantasy sci-fi world and all these cool people you get to meet different people different characters with different thoughts and you're just exposed to so much and I mean you can say that about anything fiction yeah just it just opens up so many different possibilities and ideas and.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the the, the joy of open ended questions is we see, you know, we give the person room to, to do their thing without um sort of leading them along the primrose path to get the, the right answer. Um and it, it makes it a lot more it makes every makes every interview unique because you never know what you're gonna get. Like a box of chocolates. Um <laughs> I I mess up stuff like that all the time just to see Doc's face. It's hilarious. So how did your love of speculative fiction, sort of the umbrella genre, transition into you deciding, you know what, I'm going to put pen to paper and write stories in this space?
2: Well, okay. Mm. I've always loved to write since, like, I remember as far back as second grade, you know, when we would get assignments, writing assignments, I was that nerd who you know like doubled up in the lines and then flipped the page over and was right in the back and you know the teacher's like oh this is great like (laughs) lots of thoughts here kid um and and i just always really i just always really love to write i don't know honestly you know if it was inspired by anything like external sources as much as there was just something inside of me I just had all these things I wanted to to write about. And then I kind of lost it a little bit, um, you know, college, right? And then you're focusing on research papers, not fantasy. Yes, I know. Like that. I- I'm sure everybody <laughs> knows. College is
1: wonderful, but if you're a really big reader, it's like a dark time where you don't have time to read. You're not yes. reading it.
2: You are, yeah. You're just yeah. And, you and know, that.
1: That is a very dark outlook to have about college. But
2: so, <laughs>
1: yeah. you're a reader. It is so true. Yeah.
2: No. It, it really. It really is. And 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 when you're like busting out twenty-page research papers on what something, you know, the history of the origins of a word or something, it's like it it makes you formulate yourself
1: you, oh dear you, God! You're what you, was your college degree in <laughs> linguistics <laughs> oh that explains that yeah. <laughs> i mean so, i did love it but you know
0: <laughs> that's so i had I
1: my degrees in health science and one in chemistry so i'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to have had to do my report I, I had to oh i do love science but yeah no. so and I, I studied. I, shush and and degree was in linguistics oh Her her degree was in Slavic language studies.
2: That's right. That's right. I remember reading that. I was like, "That's very specific, girl." (laughs) It it
1: was very specific. I I remember reading it and going, calling my grandmother, who was a linguist, and going, "What does this mean? (laughs) Why would anyone do this?"
0: <laughs> so, so we had classes like that as history majors. We had to take the history of history, which is like looking at the etymology of a word. Only yeah. you're, you're studying not history as it happened, but history as it was interpreted throughout the ages. So it is,
2: very
0: meta. Like it's right up there. It's very meta. I, I made the. Um, Interesting. The privilege of, so you started off with a hundred and then they took points off every time you got something wrong. I have the record for the lowest grade for our final paper in the school. Now, obviously you get a read. I,
1: <laughs>
0: I got a perfect score on my read, my second draft. So uh, yeah, I, awesome. I don't mind. That's all that matters, but that's it was awesome. just, they, they liked that a freshman was taking a, a junior level class. Cause I had AP classes in high school. So they were just giving me grief, but I got a negative 198 doc. I had to go like in the negative, like past the 100 to get it.
1: JR, that part doesn't surprise me. The fact that you can calculate it does. Oh. Yeah, that's
0: not, I mean, that's that's not wrong. I I did not do the math. I took Betty Crocker math and I was very happy to get out of that. Like, you know, the math for non majors. I snuck into the one that they put all the football players in. Those are the math classes I took.
2: Yeah, you know, addition, subtraction fractions,
0: that's all you need. My my favorite memory from college, we had a MESOP in the class which is a Marine Enlisted Commissioning Education Program, which is basically the former enlisted people they send to college. And we're doing one of those math for idiots classes. And she's telling us how we're going to need this calculating interest and all of that as adults. And he's like, ma'am, I've been on my own for 14 years paying my bills every month faithfully and I have never once used this. And there was just clapping all throughout the class. I'm like, that guy was my hero that day.
1: Um, I got in trouble when I asked, uh, when my teacher asked me why I thought trigonometry was important, because I gave the answer my retired colonel, uh, grandfather gave me. Which was? So you know where the bombs are going to land.
0: Excellent question. <laughs> he was an
1: artillery right. officer. What?
0: So, so what did she say to that? And then we'll get back to to Rosie. I'm uh, sorry. We're, we're just having fun. right? he, he, okay
1: just kind of stared at me and went uh and I looked at him and went are we done now
0: so i actually had a story that you'll appreciate when i went through the first uh deployment in 03 and the lead up to that we were doing op 4 so the opposing force pretending to be the bad guys they figured reserve and guard they'd be about as a, as competent as the iraqi national army right it'll be okay it's a good one for one and we were doing a defensive action against the, uh, the 101st and some of the, the British paratroopers. And uh, they, they had us all in position, like, these are the foxholes, and then all the sergeants said, and that was when it was, you know, PFC handling, uh, all the sergeants were like, we're going to go to the bar. We'll be back in uh, two hours when the event's supposed to start. And they just left us to dig all the foxholes. Well, the 101st position was, well, war doesn't necessarily start on your timeline. So they attacked early. And I got the brilliant idea I was going to call fire support, but I messed up the trigger the math to figure that out. So instead of dropping it on them, I dropped it on us. 100% <laughs> casualty. So, I mean, I guess it was successful, sort of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good thing you were <laughs> a sister. Yeah, uh, that's a good reason I was a grunt. I wasn't even one of those math grunts that did the uh the mortars. So I, I ended up calling that night when they gave us some time off. I called my high school math teacher and I told her that story, and she started laughing with all the "I told you so's." Love it. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're we're not here to reminisce. So uh, Doc, get back on track. It's all your fault. <laughs> Jeez,
1: I love the trigonometry stories. It's great. <laughs> Somebody has to like trigonometry. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, wait, where did we leave off? We number
0: ten. Number ten.
1: Okay, I was thinking that, but it looked like you reworded the question, you dork brain. So we have a lot of real life experiences that definitely influence us as a writer. But were there any formidable moments that really shaped you? (sighs) Um. Yes. Uh.
2: So. um when i was younger i used to write uh, a lot more happy fantasy driven more romantic things and then as you get older and shit happens and life happens and you know uh my my writing took on a much darker tone and by the time i got around to finishing tronic because this was an idea i'd um, been kicking around for a while and i finally got around to that i had a i had a lot of um life experiences that kind of made the book maybe darker than uh, a lot of people are used to reading. I have had a couple of comments uh, about the book being pretty dark, uh, like going through divorce and and starting uh, yeah. life over and things like that. So <laughs> I remember um, uh, the very first draft I sent it into Writer's Digest has like Pay some person to read the first hundred pages and give you feedback. And I sent it in to someone, and and he he said he said that. Um, well, I can't remember exactly the phrasing, but he basically said, "I can tell you hate men," and <laughs> I main character is like caustic. That's the word he said. She's caustic. Um, and, and that made me kind of like, oh, well, okay, maybe I should hold back a little bit. And I rewrote her and I I rewrote scenes and I, and I came to grips with some things. And it's, so it's not as extreme as it was, but, but yeah, so life experiences,
1: definitely. I've been through a divorce. I can understand and I can identify with the caustic. (laughs) Caustic. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There was definitely a time where I would say I was caustic.
2: Yeah, but it, it's it's you know you you grow from that you get
1: you Jr. This is the nice version of me.
2: Yeah, there's a nice version that comes later, but <laughs> you rediscover yourself and love and all that. <laughs> but yeah, no, so definitely there. Um, I I would say um my first marriage and the divorce and uh moving cross country. I literally packed up one suitcase and just moved to New York and started life over. So like that definitely had a big impact wow. on how I saw the world and 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 it impacted my writing as well. So
0: I mean, I would say anything that makes you move to New York on purpose is traumatic.
2: <laughs> I look, New York City was once great.
1: <laughs> there are some people who truly love it and it is an interesting experience. I cannot be around that much. Not a lot. <laughs> it's, it's
0: too too it's much weird. people.
1: <laughs> too many people. It's not enough green nature. I agree,
2: hundred percent. There need to be more trees. But when you I, want
1: to believe in a dystopian future? That's where you go.
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> but I I just I don't know. I I was really drawn to. I was I'm from California, so uh everybody's very laid back and chill and just like jive mama it's all good and then i go to new york and everybody's just like chain smoking and yelling at you and i don't know i was really drawn to that energy at the time and it, it was it was it was good for me to move you know like move literally across the country for a different perspective and different people and just in different
1: time in my life it was good it was and now I i'm over that it. would be very <laughs> cleansing in a way like a palate cleanser. Hmm. Definitely.
0: Well, you know, it it it's a good thing because people apparently liked your novel. Uh the reviews were, were very kind.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, no nobody said uh my main character was a caustic man hating.
1: <laughs> you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes we need that. We all go through that phase, man. <laughs> You haven't met men yet. Right.
0: <laughs> and the inverse is true. So I've. Oh, um,
1: I will totally throw a woman under the bus, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I have I so, actually gotten
2: reviews saying um, that I am not a feminist from a woman. A woman wrote a review saying that uh, I obviously <laughs> hate women. So I don't know. I guess I just hate humanity in general.
0: Well, um, that's a stance I, I can get women behind. Women.
1: You can hate women, Jr.
0: No, hating people. You said hate oh, humanity. Uh, that's a stance I can get behind.
1: <laughs> I mean, the Army does train us that way.
0: Yep. So, hate and caffeine place. fuel our lives.
2: We may hate each other, but we hate you more. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Is that on a
0: t-shirt? I need it.
1: <laughs> so, Doc,
0: let's put that on some merch.
1: <laughs> that's Nick's job.
0: all right next question doc
1: okay so a veteran friendly podcast as we know we are um but did you serve in the military i did not know so but jr was gabbing at me and he told me you definitely had some uh experiences because it does not the military does not leave any of us unscarred but it does not leave anybody who interacts with us either (laughs) unscarred
2: That's very true. Yeah. Um. I my father was Air Force. Uh. I I don't I don't know that I have a lot of um scarring from that. You know. Well, oh, I and sitting
1: in a chair is really not hard.
2: No, no, yeah, but, and he's an officer, so like, <laughs> double sitting. Um, but then my my first husband was a marine, so I, I I have been exposed to the deployments and the base house living, and you and know the crayola markers
1: and the crowns,
2: all all of all of that, and <laughs> and yeah, and I, I would say that that um has had an impact on on the way on the way you see things. Just being exposed to those types of people, uh, it, different people than from, you know, when you when you grow up, there are certain people in your neighborhoods and certain outlooks. And then then you meet people who are in the military who have seen things, who have been not so great places and you, just hearing their experiences and seeing how that impacts them and their ideology and their lives and everything like that. And, and you know, I think most writers are, are listeners. They're very. For the most part kind of empathetic and just very they they like to absorb other people's life experience stories and that translates into their writing so yeah that 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 definitely that part of my life impacted me in my writing
1: okay so,
0: so have
2: you
1: had any fan art we're transitioning into things from the fan angle
2: no no fan art yet what are for- you
1: <laughs> okay so but you're also a very new author yes yeah so what are you the most excited to see on that fan milestone is it going to be somebody like running uh, you've had it. has somebody asked for your signature yet Mm-mm. Uh, we need to get you out because i'm sure i know where you we yeah, can I people
2: <laughs> i'm a i'm a little bit a uh, recluse i i work from home so you know like i'm not out and about and all that but it was it was a fantasy of mine uh because when i was in new york i i I published the book last year and i was still living in new york at the time it was a like a a hope in the back of my mind that i would be riding the subway and then i would just see somebody with the book cracked open just reading it and then and then i could just like smile to myself not say anything but just smile and be like ah that's my book
1: (laughs) don't worry it, there is still time to make that happen.
0: So if people have listened to this, this book or this book, listen to this episode and they're like, man, this, ep- this book sounds great. And they go and buy it uh, and they like it enough. They want a signed copy. Is that something you can do? Are you set up to do that yet? Like with a PO box and a.
2: No, I, I am not. I actually don't even know how you'd go about doing that. Um, Unless, unless I would be selling signed copies from my website. But I think there's a non-compete with Amazon, so not for print. Not for print? Okay.
0: Nope. Print you can take it wide. It's it's that that only applies for Kindle Unlimited and for ebooks.
2: Okay. So so you can even sell your
0: your books at Barnes and Nobles if you wanted to.
2: Oh all right.
0: But so this is the part of the interview where we talk about everything you have written, Rosie. Uh, can you give us the Reader's Digest version of your body of work? And what are you drinking? That looks interesting in the bottle.
2: It is Hershey's Yingling. Oh wait, I'm spinning it through. Cool. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's a Yingling
1: I want to try. It's delicious.
0: I would, I'm I would not try a that too. Yingling
1: person, I know I have a friend who's going to hate me for saying that, but I want that one. I want to. try I mean, that. yeah, Yingling okay. is whatever, but this Hershey's hmm. Yes. No, yeah. that sounds amazing. <laughs> Highly recommend.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll have to add that to the to the tasting that we'll, we'll eventually do. We figure if we ever get big enough where we have a like a fan meetup with the podcast, it will have to be over booze because we talk about it all the time. Enough that some of my friends that listen are like, do you have a problem? Like, do we need to talk to somebody <laughs> they with an, an to, intervention? You had
1: a problem. They were asking if I had a problem.
0: <laughs> so oh, subtlety. See, it went right over my head.
1: I said, yes, I do have a problem. It's named Jr.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So I know you've got um, Tronic that's out because you are new, but haven't you been in a few anthologies and had some short stuff published?
2: Uh, Yeah, I just had uh, a short story published in uh, an anthology, um, Deadly Enhancements. Uh, I wrote a short story called uh, Thank You for Caring. And actually it is um, in the same world as Tronic so it is kind of like a prequel it's uh i didn't specify time but like a couple hundred years uh, 100 to 150 years before um the novel takes place so the the main character is a, a prisoner building up the wall that encompasses california Next, within the novel so a little little nod and um if you read the book and the short story you'll notice one of the character last names there's some family uh
1: connectedness there that oh I that's like always that. fun when you're do that that. twining when people do it yeah it's nice it's like a good homage and as a fan i go yay!
2: <laughs> i know that name yeah yeah i know i i wanted to create that kind of connection and and it does tie in with pers- personality and everything but
0: so was there any doubt when you were writing that short story that it was going to be in the same universe? Was that even a consideration that it might not be?
2: Yeah. So when uh, um, Matthew A. Goodwin reached out um, and asked me to do it, I, I was thinking of something completely—well, not completely different. I was thinking of a different direction. And he mentioned, you know, you could you could make it kind of like um, connected to or nod to your book that people and then. Once he suggested that, I just kind of took all of the random thoughts that were ping ponging in my brain and just like smushed it into to the to the California next world and and I think it made it stronger and cooler. So it was a really great suggestion on his part. But yeah, originally because I wanted to do something just more generic Black Mirror type story. And then mm-hmm. with his suggestion, it, it, it was more focused then.
0: Yeah, he has a way of convincing you to do things you might not have otherwise done Like yeah. somehow I volunteered to host his anthology for him And I don't read or write cyberpunk, but we published it <laughs> It's the only anthology I published where I don't have one of my stories But uh, yeah, so that's you that's you not surprising want- uh, He said he'd work with me next year Give me uh, an outline that would fit with the cyberpunk uh, aesthetic
1: Oh, oh so, so, so you're, give you're a doing shot. another anthology next year Yeah for- <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's already convinced us. I don't know how that happened. Uh, <laughs> somehow we were talking Mill SF, and he goes, "Yeah, you're you're doing next year's too, right?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure." Wait, what? <laughs> it, it's it's part of his charm. Yeah,
2: he has
0: so, a way. He has he has that way about him. I've only ever met one other person who did that, and uh, if him and and um, Casey Azell ever became friends, the world is just ending because they'd convince all of us to do things.
1: You know, I could arrange that.
0: Yeah, I don't know the humanity's ready for that level of uh of shenanigans just yet. But so obviously that all yeah, so that those all sound fascinating, but here today we're gonna talk about Tronic. So where did you get the premise for this universe? You mentioned that it kicked around in your head for a while, but was it psychedelics, a Ouija board, too many uh expired, I don't know, whatever people eat California, tofu and avocado?
2: <laughs> Bad avocado was the yeah. It was the origin of this. No. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I, I think I first started thinking of it, it started with the character first. Um, and, and I, I thought of it when I was about maybe 16 years old and the story has changed quite a bit since I was 16, thankfully. Um, but it, I wanted
0: two years. will do that to you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then I, I just, I had this idea of this, this person, this tough, this tough woman who, you know, it's, it's cliche, really. The storyline, like a a woman who notices something is wrong and then does something about it, right? Like the corruption in the world, it's nothing unique, but I was just building this character over so many years. And, and, and she, she kind of stayed true from the 16 to the Shoot, I don't want to say when when I finally published her. Um,
0: twenty one, because you're drinking a Yingling.
2: Over twenty one, I am over twenty one uh, by a lot, and uh, but she she pretty much stayed true. And uh, but the the story grew from the story grew from what it was. It was like you know something to do with the water source, and I I don't remember details, but it always remained true the the character always remained true and the theme of you are not in control um and no matter how deep you dig into life you you don't know all the answers and you never will and just this idea of like um i'm in control of my destiny i'm in control of my life and my decisions like that kind of hopelessness was always <laughs> was always a baseline even from when i was 16 i guess i was <laughs> a
1: little a little dark and emotional back then too, but
0: goth and emo I get it. Year
1: olds are by definition. Angsty. I, I think and if they're not, they're hiding some things. I think that's true. I think all, all teenagers have that angst. Um,
2: but that, that, that remained true. And it's just the, the mechanisms and the, the world and all of that changed. Um, so I guess I don't really have a direct answer. So there's no, uh, no no rotten avocados that started it all off,
0: <laughs> But now you've got the uh, the impetus for another story, like, oh, it was the rotten avocados It starts from there as a writing prompt
2: i gotta I gotta write about avocado I mean you know it's California next, I and mean, California is all about avocados, so I don't know how avocados and
1: so they do have some very good wine
0: avocado wine,
1: oh, I would drink that, <laughs> no <Yes>. wine. No! <laughs> But there's really good I like wine from Lodi. Best okay. Going out to California is wine. There's good wine in Lodi. All right.
2: Yeah.
0: Wine. I, I good. was the guy. There's that not much there. <laughs> when I went to my friend's wedding and they did the wine for the toast, when no one was looking, I poured the wine into the potted plant. Turned out it was plastic. Oops. Uh, and poured my beer in the wine glass. So like that's me. Low <laughs> class and low rent, apparently.
2: Beer guy. <laughs>
0: Hey. So, you mentioned in this, you know, we'll get back on track, but this is an interesting sort of segue in the in the space of cyberpunk. You mentioned the strong female character. So, do you think the strong female character trope in cyberpunk is any different than it is in any other genre? Is there anything unique about it?
2: Oh, that's that is interesting. Um, I feel like um, ulti- ultimately, the strong female character trope, like. The woman is always, she's basically a man, right? The the, the action scenes and the sex and the and the drugs, you know, like all, all of that is, I say, carries over to most other genres, um, in like spy thrillers and and things like that. But cyberpunk strong female, I think, are even, worse. I shouldn't be saying this sounds bad, or even worse. Because <laughs> you're you're in this world that uh, is already more androgynous a little bit, you know. With with tech, um, the the gender lines blur, in in my opinion. And when you have a strong female in a cyberpunk world, uh, she's you know a little bit. A little bit metal and and just extra tough and you know and my my girl she rides a motorcycle and she's a chain smoker and she beats up people and I I don't know did I answer the question I I feel like I got off
0: you you (laughs) did but I will say as far as tropes go like and this came up in the other interview but there's a thing that you know biological differences and so you know on average men are stronger than women taller and so when you show the five foot nothing beating the crap out of you know seven foot warriors who've trained for 50 or well, maybe not 50 but for long periods of time to do this and it's like oh yeah well she started training last week i'm looking at UYA, and suddenly she's kicking everyone's butt like you have to give me a reason to hang my willing suspension of disbelief on and i feel like you know places like sci-fi and, and sounds like cyberpunk where you can use tech as a justification or in fantasy you could you can throw magic in there like if you give me a reason to make it make sense, I'm willing to go there with you. Yeah. So it it sounds like that's that's what they're doing.
2: I yeah, I feel I feel like cyber cyberpunk, yeah. They they have the the augmented, the tech tech augmentation. Um my girl does not have that and she gets her ass beaten. So she can she can throw a punch but she also gets she gets fucked up lots. So that was my like my attempt to make it more realistic because uh, like you said, the five foot, nothing beating up a, a giant dude. It's just, it, even if they were the same size, she probably wouldn't be able to beat him up. Cause you know, yes, biological differences. Women are, are not built the same way. And, and I, I didn't, I didn't want it to be cheesy and, and have it go that way where it's like, no, no justification. She just, she's just this badass. but so she does, get, she does get her ass handed to her several times. Um, but but she still does have um, that very male side to her, you know that that just itching for a fight kind of attitude and um, anarchist kind of vibe, right? That, I've, that I that it feel is a little tropey. Like and like I said, I shouldn't be saying this about my book, but
0: <laughs> I mean tropes have yeah. their tropes have their reason. They exist because people like that, right? So like yeah. that's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. Um, But, all right, well, I've distracted enough. We're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. And uh, and this time, the man is actually me, but we're going to play that commercial uh, interlude. 35 awesome stories started by one kick-ass meme. It started as a joke. Storm Area 51, they said. They can't stop all of us, they said. But all laughter has stopped when the U.S. Air Force mobilized and pulled out the big guns. However, relentless mockery and derision by the media and the powers that be pushed the dweeves and alien enthusiasts too far. What else were they supposed to do? They said why not and showed up, determined to find out what secrets were hidden behind the walls of the clandestine government facility. Are you brave enough to buy this anthology today? If you are, find out what the government wants to keep hidden. Read Storming Area 51, a Bayonet Books Anthology.
1: You All didn't right. tell me you were doing that
0: one. Yeah, but you you got a story in there, so I figured it would be a cool one yeah. to do today.
1: I know, but that's why it took me by a surprise.
0: That was the point. Although, if you had peeped down at the bottom, I did write on the show notes what uh, what the episode was going to be. Don't but-
1: read the show notes. That's not like <laughs> something you should want me to do.
0: That's very manly of you not reading directions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I use skew gender roles.
0: Uh, that was just perfect timing. You you set that one up for me after that uh, previous conversation, but thank you for sticking with us, dear listener, dear viewer for that commercial interlude. And now we're going to take a second and we're going to look at the glorious cover for Tronic. So can you tell us the story of this piece of art? Like how did this image come together? It is very dark. Um, I can see all the colors though. So I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. So um, this was a gift from my husband. Yeah. Um... I, when I, I, I wrote the, I wrote the book and he, he read it like 50 times. So he was very, uh, he knew it forwards and backwards and he, um, kind of sketched out some ideas and I kind of tossed around some ideas and and I was looking at artists and I just kind of, I found one guy. Um, and I was like, I really, I really love his work. And for Valentine's day, uh, he he gave me this he's like so i reached out to the artist we really like and um and here we go and it went through a couple iterations but yeah it's that this this was this was a gift from my wonderful husband
0: that's love right there
2: (laughs) it is (laughs) i think he just won the best husband award he he definitely did and then and then he actually got me a couple more art pieces um by the same guy for you know for world building and but yeah this this artist is he's incredible um his i can't i'll i'll destroy his name i'll um no i i can't i can't i can't say his name um so but if, if, what
0: if you remember uh and you want to give us the link for his uh information if people want to check out his artwork we can throw that in the show notes
2: yeah definitely i'll, I'll send you some links for him because he i mean he's incredibly talented um, and he did beautiful work. and i love I love um, I love how he um, he drew her face, and a lot of people were like, and and the artist didn't he interacted with my husband only. he never talked to me, he never saw me, never nothing. and people people have commented that the character actually looks like me a little bit.
1: so <laughs> it kind of worked out. I was like, oh hey, a little bit
0: that works it,
1: um, so, it reminds me of, this cover reminds me of my one of my favorite animes actually so i would oh, have like. that uh bubblegum crisis 2040.
0: bubblegum crisis okay the, the, the so, character
1: so, looks all like she doesn't look like it but she reminds me a lot of press in it which is was my favorite character in school huh she's awesome she's like a so, badass musician slash mecca person Ooh
0: so does that uh motorcycle that's at the uh on the on the cover does that play a important role in the story or was that just for the aesthetic
2: oh no um that's definitely in the book uh he he was he grabbed like clips from the book descriptions from the book to give the artist to help him kind of build things out but what what wasn't in the book originally was the design on her jacket um when he because he the the artist asked um like what what kind of art do you like for you know I don't I don't remember but I I said I like Dr. Wu I don't know if you've seen those tattoos the Dr. Wu is very like geometric and and cool and so he actually put that design on the back of her jacket and I loved it so much that yeah if you zoom in uh little bit of dr Wu action there I loved it so much that I actually wrote it into the book I like I wrote in a description and i I made the the thread actually kind of have like a bioluminescent effect to it um I wrote that into the book and I, I actually used that logo all over all over the um the print copy as well so
0: that is I, awesome
2: you know, so we were feeding off of each other's creativity I guess <laughs>
0: uh, when it works right that's that's how it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah.
0: So, all right. Next one is you, Doc.
1: I know it is. So, what is your 30 second elevator pitch for Tronic? Oh, God. And
2: you guys even warned me this was coming. Um... (laughs) It's
1: okay. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, even when they're warned. So, do you want me to summarize the book in 30 seconds, or do you just want me to say it's really like if somebody said, Hey, what's your book about? Should I buy it? What's the answer?
2: If you like cyberpunk and dystopian books, you should definitely buy it. Uh, it is about uh, a woman who's a cog in the machine, who thinks that because she's a cog in the machine, she has, you know, she's like, she, she has an understanding of things and she slowly realizes she has no understanding that the world is much bigger. All of reality is stripped from. From her and she has to see i'm already failing at this elevator pitch <laughs> that's okay 30 seconds is too much pressure um, a, but the, uh, but when you go to a con that's about
1: sometimes all you got
2: i know the high concept has always been very hard for me to to summarize it high concept a little bit like if maybe a 60 second one would be fiona Tronic is essentially like an undercover narcotics agent who works for shadow Corporation. And uh, this homeless dude hands her a a briefcase full of information of people who have gone missing, including an influencer. And she kind of goes down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out what happened to this missing influencer. And then things just go uh, out out of control from there with uh, conspiracies with her employer and the governance and and all of that until she just completely, her world just unravels. How about that? That works. That
0: works. Or, or you could say she's got twenty-four kids to feed, and that doesn't come cheap. So, <laughs> buy her book, so her kids don't starve.
2: Just buy the book, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, buy the book. You'll
2: love it. It's You'll I swear, love it. You'll love it. Yeah. No. So I, I, I always feel kind of. Um, <laughs> I was telling you guys this earlier. I always feel dirty when trying to sell a book, like. You know if you if you want to read it that's great go ahead but I think if if you like dystopian like 1984, Brave New World and if you like altered carbon if you like books like that you, I think you can get behind this book um, it's it has I feel like it has a lot going for it but a lot of it is um, very symbolic a lot of undertones and themes with some good violence too that's all and sex scenes so you know
1: it's got. <laughs> well you know the spice is definitely the stuff of life sometimes <laughs> oh um but what is it that makes in cyberpunk this book stand out or this character stand out
2: does it make it stand out within the cyberpunk genre uh so that this, this was this I've been on I've been on two podcasts now where we discuss what is cyberpunk and everybody's answer is different. And a lot of people are like um, it's deeply rooted in the themes of uh, big tech, big corporations, you know, like the the little guy against these conglomerates. And then other people say, oh, it's all about tech, tech, tech. Um, And then others are like, it's the aesthetic. It's just, you know, everything's neon and it's always nighttime for some reason, there is no day. And I feel like, i I definitely have nods to you know, the little man against the corporation, but she's working for the corporation too. like there's a lot of it's it's not as um, it's not as straightforward David Goliath set up. Um, and, it, well, and, and I think
1: that's pretty realistic though.
2: Right. I wanted it to be, I, I didn't want it to be, I don't want to say the word cliche, but I, I didn't want it to be tropey in that way. Um, I wanted everything to be just fucking gray. Everything just super ambiguous, you know, like, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Is the corporation good? Is it bad? Is the government good or bad? You know, and everybody, I believe everybody has facets, you know, multiple sides to them. And I wanted to, I wanted to write that I wanted to write a very complicated world, complicated system, complicated people. Um, And then I do love the aesthetic of cyberpunk. So it is that um, what very gritty vibe thing, there is neon. But uh, yeah, so so the aesthetic I personally really love, and that's all over the book. And there is a nod to that, the, you know, the little guy against the machine. Well, I think all of those, those make up cyberpunk. Okay. Genre. Okay.
1: So, so which, go ahead. I was going to ask which tropes you really pulled from for creating this.
2: Well... I feel like the the strong woman is is one trope that you see a lot in cyberpunk more so than other genres. Um, I do that. And then, uh, you know, the, the neon soaked world is definitely a trope I pull from Uh, there. You know, the, the the world does have daylight (laughs) and it's also a very green city. Like everything is covered in, in vertical gardens and plants and, um, it's kind of like a, a green utopia that only in California would make, um, but it does have, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, but it does have the neon vibe, and then, uh, and then, like I mentioned, the kind of there is the the shadow corporation element and the government, you know, big evil government element, and she's kind of like not exactly going against them, but you know, kind of diving there-
1: into them. Is there like a clear cut bad guy in the story, though?
2: There is one. There there are two bad guys, um, but it is more, you know, the whole man versus man, man versus nature, man versus system. This is definitely uh, man woman versus um, system, man uh, wo- versus world. You know, mm-hmm. there are there are antagonists but ultimately it's it's her against the system against california next.
0: Okay. So <laughs> cyberpunk is I think its you own
2: need one. Jo-
0: yeah. Um, so cyberpunk is clearly its own genre but within that space are there any subgenres that you feel like this story fits into? I
2: I feel like it's very dystopian. Um I I, I had Several people say it's. It's. I had one one review say it's the best dystopian novel he's ever read. <laughs> uh, but I feel like, yeah, that that I feel like that holds hands with cyberpunk dystopian. You know, when you're talking about. Um, on the surface, it looks like everything's great, but when you dive deeper and you scratch the surface, you realize that there's that the the system is broken and and people are darker than you thought and all that.
0: Okay. There's room for that. So let's talk about the story itself. What can you tell us about your main character? What makes her unique in the crowded field of science fiction and specifically cyberpunk?
2: What makes her unique? Well, um, I, (laughs) I think she's a, a very deep thinker and I don't know. I know other books have have very uh, introspective characters, but I think she just she just goes a lot deeper. And what makes her unique is that even though she can see all the sides to things, she chooses to ignore it. So she's not she's like she's like a willing cog in the machine. She can see that the system is broken and that her bosses are corrupt and she goes along with it. It's throughout the whole book that she slowly becomes aware that that that, that status quo just isn't good enough and that she should need more and she should want more from herself. I think that's fairly unique because in a lot of a lot of cyberpunk books, it's it's very like you are bad. I am good. I'm going to fight this and it's very clear cut and she's like i've mentioned before she's very gray ambiguous and she's very torn and and it's and very introspective
0: okay that's
2: i think that makes okay.
0: sense <laughs> i, I could see that so we it's a very character focused novel you mentioned that previously yeah so were there any secondary characters you felt like were especially memorable during your uh, your trek through this universe
2: uh, yeah,, uh, there are other characters. Um, her friend um, mentor, uh, Callahan. He owns the bookstore and he's like you know this old crumudgeny dude that hangs hangs out in the books he you know he owns the bookstore, um, selling relics that nobody reads. and he he offers a lot of insight into the world and and he kind of is her moral compass. Um, a lot of people mentioned that they really love Callahan. And then there's, um, there's, there's Warwick. He is the owner of Xenon Industries. He's a, a weapons manufacturer. And he also creates like, um, he, he, this VR, um, the gaming company. And I feel like, I feel like he, he's very interesting. I think people would be interested and then her brother. And he's the—he's in the trenches. He's the uh, the underground drug distributor that she has to reconnect with, and uh, that's part of of one of her assignments from work. And that I feel like um, I feel like he's a great character. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of emotional trauma and and trying to get over their past together. That really drives the story
1: forward. Okay. So, if your characters met you in a back alley and they knew who you were, how do you think you'd fare with that?
2: Um, I don't think I don't think Toronto would be interested in me. <laughs> I, she <laughs> she just completely ignore you. I think she got her own shit going on. Uh, a very busy woman. I think she'd smoke a cigarette, and if we talked at all, you know, she would probably insult me and bounce.
1: Fair. Yeah. You'd, you'd be as authors go unscathed for this question.
2: I mean, I, I if I told her, like, "Yo, I created you," all right, be nicer to me. I mean, you know, maybe the conversation would be more interesting. <laughs> but
1: maybe, but you you never know with that type. <laughs> so
0: okay that's um it definitely sounds like a world i wouldn't want to live in but maybe it'll be fun to visit
1: but you know speaking of the world worlds are in some ways particularly for speculative fiction as much a protagonist in a story so can you give us a bit of what to expect from this world
2: yeah a hundred percent um the i personally love world building the most and when reading books if the world is cool and the story is like, whatever, I'm totally in for it. And I was like, ah, I don't care about the story. It's, you know, everything else is great. And uh, if, it's, if it's the opposite, if the story is really engaging, but the world's kind of lame, I might not finish that book. So I have a bias for world. And um, California X is um, essentially like a, a semi-enclosed ecosystem. So like a, a wall has been built around. California, not all of California, the borders are different, but it's been built around it. And it's like San Diego is like half flooded. And all of the the buildings are built up, up tall, you know, and like, there's plants everywhere. There are vertical gardens, rooftop gardens, like everything is very green. So it looks like a green utopia. It looks very pretty. Um, and, and I just I felt like that was that was really important for me to create a world that on the surface looked awesome. Looked like something, you know, like the, uh, anybody who's into a, a green initiative would be like, yeah, I can drive around my Prius and look at the plants, you know? But when you dig deeper, um, it's, it's corrupt, it's broken, it's, you know, and, and this is where the character lives. So she's able to look at everything that's beautiful but because she is in the drug world um, and and sees things differently and kind of has more insight into the inner workings of everything, you know? She has, like, this perspective of the world that's kind of incongruous, you know? It's like...
0: Okay. So... The... Uh, Tronic. it looks like it's a standalone. So is there story done? Do you see more from these characters or specifically your main character? Uh,
2: Yeah, I think there's potential. I'm currently working on different books, but I, I, there is potential for other stories. Um, I've, I have been kicking around some stories. They would be different characters and their take uh, on, on the annex. And yeah, so it wouldn't I don't I don't know that it would be necessarily like um, next steps for tronic more as uh, insight from other characters within the world. That makes sense.
0: It does, it does. So, yeah. Um, we know that um, every literary universe has their own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and or magic. Um, so, what kind of tech can we expect from these stories? I'm assuming this is not a magic universe.
2: It is not magic. No.
0: Um, so, what sort of tech can we expect?
2: There. So, there definitely is. It is definitely a futuristic world, um, but I uh unlike a lot of my peers who are cyberpunk authors don't have a lot of like the cybernetic uh, elements um my main character is she's (laughs) she does not like technology she uses like old school earbuds um whereas other people in in the world they have um implants and then there there are all ocular inserts as well that people use instead of like phones they'll they'll have an ocular insert that shows them feeds um so there's our little nods to technology throughout the world um you know and green green vehicles like running on running on rainbows and stuff but uh but she she's somebody who has a gasoline powered motorcycle and uses old school earbuds and then oh i guess i should mention this um there are everybody is outfitted with hc's um health chips and they're embedded in your wrist and they're they're essentially track your vitals and if you were to get in an accident or something um the emts would be able to like scan it and have your medical history and everything but those which sounds great but those are also used to um in enforce everybody staying within the boundaries of california next so nobody can leave if they do um those little chips will will fry you so that i think that's the biggest bit of technology and then also we have our um enforcers which are um androids that work with the police there you know, your typical metal robots. With- Do they have
0: three seconds to comply?
2: They're just like that, yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 so before before Doc asks the next question, so you mentioned the motorcycle on the cover. If you had a chance to ride that motorcycle, would you, would you take it for a spin?
2: Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely.
0: All right, what about you, Doc? You getting on the motorcycle? Mm, probably. Don't- I'm all about doing dangerous and stupid
1: so I mean maybe if I can guarantee that I'm going to fall and get injured
0: so you want want plot armor even for the motorcycle okay
1: I want plot armor for me on a motorcycle for me (laughs) that's all
0: (laughs) All right, doc ask the next question then ruin my fun dreaming of (laughs) driving on the motorcycle I can't afford
1: You know what, JR? You can dream about all you want. I'm not going to monitor that. That's between you and your mother.
0: (laughs) Ah Uh, That's just low, Doc. Just move it along. That's the next question.
1: Podcast with the mom jokes. (laughs) Oh, of all the tech in this universe, what is it that you would want to have for daily use? Have for daily use. See, so I, I mean, you don't have to use it daily, but what would you be <laughs> like, I'll take this and I'll keep this for me.
2: See, I, I actually, uh, JR, you asked a question in the last podcast about tech and I was the one person who was like, I don't want anything in me. I don't, I don't want any of this, uh, technology because, <laughs> because I see how, um, technology can go wrong but i guess if i had to pick something this this world and i wouldn't even i don't know if it would even qualify as tech very low tech but this world is very um very green there's a lot of vertical gardens and everything and and i described the systems and all of that i if it's i wish that technology was not necessarily for personal use but like all over um like you mentioned in New York City, doesn't have there's not enough greenery for you, and it's like, yeah, I wish I wish we had, um, I wish we had more of this kind of uh, rooftop vertical garden type. It is kind kind of a tech. I wish that was all over. Uh, as far as like anything like <laughs> like inserts or augments, I wouldn't have any of that in me. I I so,
1: don't I don't blame you. I. <laughs> So I totally get that. JR has enough stuff in him. He probably wouldn't notice if anybody inserted any new tech into him.
0: <laughs> probably not.
1: Bunch of plates and bolts in you?
0: Uh, just, you know, shrapnel debris.
2: Ah, shrapnel.
0: <laughs> but, you know, that's the, that's the funny thing with the army. They actually originally, when they my uh, chain of command put some of the awards in, they put, was never in imminent danger, denied, as I'm, like, pulling pieces of the metal sometimes out of my arm.
2: That uh, gotta
0: love the, uh, you know. I, I was just casually walking by a bomb, and you know, I was never in danger, but it exploded. Oh my! Gotta God. Gotta love bureaucracy. That's one of the things about red, uh, about cyberpunk as a genre that appeals to me. It understands like the bureaucracy of and bloat of government and and corporations mm-hmm. in ways I think some other genres just don't seem to get. Absolutely. So I will. Yeah, it's got that going for him. Yeah. So does your universe, it it doesn't sound like it would have, you know, aliens or fantastical creatures in it, but I'm going to ask anyway, is that something that's in this this world?
2: No, no aliens. Um, No, there's a cat and a dog in the book. So for all the animal lovers, I have the cat and the dog in there. (laughs) And they're normal. They're not. The cat actually has been cloned a couple times, but...
0: So normally, you know, this is normally we'd ask you specific to the novel, but I'm just curious because you said you like world building. So if you were gonna build a world that had aliens or mystical magical creatures in it, how do you think you'd go about doing that? Would you let your nightmares inspire you, mother nature, created out of whole cloth, legends and lore? Like how do you think you'd create those wee beasties?
2: So well, that's an awesome question. I'm actually kicking around an idea about aliens and i'm doing tons of uh research into like uh into egypt (laughs) actually and just just um weird fringe science stories you know they might be conspiracy theories and different things like that and just reading up on all of that and kind of i like to pull from reality You know, so that if anybody was interested enough to dig deeper into the story, they would find some Internet article like, oh, wow, maybe maybe there's something to this, you know, just to just to make things more rooted and more possible. Uh, But, yeah, so creating creating an alien world, definitely lots of lots of research because there's so much out there and, and there's so much speculation already. Cool, cool conspiracy theories floating around to pull from.
0: I do love me a good conspiracy theory. Okay. So while we're we're encouraging you to participate in the podcast, dear listener, when we share this on the face space, um if you have a favorite conspiracy theory, leave it in the comments, and we'll know you actually listened to the episode. Because I'm curious. And all my conspiracy theories came true, so i got to come up with some new ones. So if you could help me out, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, the latest one that we haven't proven, though, is that Doc actually has a soul. So. <laughs> I think I think that one's going to stay in the realm of you know. Uh, I think my brother
1: gave up on that one a long time ago, so you
0: know. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to reach out and see if there's any further proof. If we need to do more investigation. For
1: the last conspiracy theory, which would be that you had a sex life. So.
0: (laughs) Ooh, she went there. All right. So clearly, the interview is winding down. The Yingling has taken effect, or in Doc's case, the wine. Uh, But before we wrap this up. (laughs) Was there anything about Tronic that we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us?
2: Oh no. Um No, I I feel like I've talked a lot about it. I just uh No, no, I feel like I feel like I've covered a lot. <laughs> I'm horrible talking about my book.
0: No, um, no, you're fine, you're fine. So is it later. only if you have and... more
2: conventions, you'll get better. <laughs>
0: Is is it only ebook and print or is there hardcover or uh, audiobook, audiobook for this?
2: Yeah, it's just yeah, no, paperback and ebook. Um I would I am i am in the works with an audiobook, but that's gonna take really? forever because I'm doing it myself. So it's gonna take a long time. So probably not even worth mentioning.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you know, you gotta do what you can at your pace you can afford. Audio is not cheap endeavor to get into. Yeah. Um so before I forget, what age range would this story be? It sounds like there is some um, adult content, shall we say. So if your mother's listening, don't don't read that. Um, <laughs> but but like, what would the age range be for this? You think it's, it's clearly eighteen plus or
2: yes, eighteen plus for sure. It's very dark. Okay. Yeah, they're adult adult topics. Also, I just don't think that um, the the YA audience would even be interested in some of the content it's a it's more mature just themes um and unless you've kind of lived a little bit of life some of it might n- not mean much to you and you're like well what's what's this bitch's problem you know? but <laughs> it's like unless you've been through been through some hardship it, you know you might not you might not quite get it
0: okay well, that is definitely some of the consideration because I do know we have some families that listen. So okay. this is not one for your kiddos. Uh, before <laughs> I let you go, dear listener, I need to remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your part. And if you wonder why uh, reviews matter, we're going to be organizing um, later this week. We're recording this uh, right before Thanksgiving. We're going to be organizing a panel on that very topic about the importance of reviews. So. Uh, Yeah, leave those reviews. They really do help. And um, (laughs) Uh, Rosie, how can listeners find you?
2: Um, Well, I have a website, rosyrecord.com, and I'm on Amazon and Instagram, uh, at RC Record.
0: Okay. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show. Uh, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Send all of your hate uh, emails to Seska at blasters and blades She wants you to tell her why everything she said was wrong, why Pern is fantasy, and everything nice about me. That's what she wants you to send her. her- you can join us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. You can join us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tag and blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades where you can support the show for as little as uh, 99 cents a month. You can help keep the light on. Or you can uh, donate more directly to us on buymeacoffee.com backslash author Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly intoxicated. They will drink Hersey's Chocolate Gingling until their mouth rots off from sweetness or something. Yeah, I didn't think that went through as well, Doc. Just bring us home.
1: What? Oh, I, like, that is
0: not the best transition I've ever given you.
1: No, that is the possibly the worst, but that's okay. That
0: just means next week I can only go up.
1: <laughs> so, thank you for coming and joining and spending your time with us. Go check out her books. They're amazing. Uh, or book that's amazing i'm looking forward to it um uh what on earth i looked at the notes you put and they make no sense so thank you for spending some of your precious time with us we'll be back next week same time same place having fun and of course picking on jr because he deserves it maybe nick will show up and join in the show (laughs) he's hiding
0: from you i know it have a nice one
1: here he is he claims that he was working on a on a short story or a novel or I don't know he said he was working on words I
0: <laughs> I'm sensing air quotes going on off scene but on that note we're gonna-